you know what time it is. It's time to pop up a podcast, your weekly journey through the world of Yu-Gi-Oh. I'm Lance, your host and tour guide through this underworld of children's card games and plot armor, where the English dub will be smashed to pieces, overanalyzed, and mocked, mostly from a loving place. This week, I'd like to start things off a little differently um, with an official apology. I know this podcast is still very much in its infancy, but it is something very near and dear to my heart, and I wish to uphold standards, um, fairly high standards, for both the collective sake of the audience and for the sake of myself. Um, I always put 100% of myself into what I do, and last week I failed, um, both in upholding the standards I set for myself and in giving my all into the episode. I intentionally set out to complete a less detailed review of the second episode, um, and I think I mostly achieved that goal. My error, though, was in neglecting some of the smaller details I always told myself I would track and in the overall quality of the episode. Despite what anyone may think, I do actually sit down and listen to each episode after I finish editing and before I upload them. Um, But last week, I dropped that ball due to frustrations during recording and editing. I actually didn't preview the episode almost at all. And instead, I only listened through after I uploaded it. And unfortunately, this led to an abysmally subpar production, in my opinion. And for that, I apologize. I'm letting you, the audience, know now that I vow to give you much better content and only release when I feel it's ready. I also believe that my feelings of inadequacy surrounding episode two mostly stem from my attempt to shorten the episode. Therefore, I will not be purposefully choosing to do that anymore, um, at least for the time being. That being said, I will still strictly keep the Sunday release date every week. I'll just budget my time during the week more efficiently and just generally have a much more polished product come release day. Uh, Anyway, that's my spiel on that. I also have some awesome news, though. I've uh, officially gotten the podcast on Spotify, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts or iTunes, whichever one you prefer to call it. So now you don't have to keep trekking to podcasts.com for episodes. Hopefully there won't be too much of a delay between my uploading episodes to my host site and their appearing on the other sites. But if there is a delay, I'll deal with it however I need to, to ensure that Sunday is the release date. Uh, for all of the major platforms, that being Spotify, iTunes, and Google. Uh, If you wouldn't mind, though, please pick your favorite of those three podcasting behemoths. Subscribe or like, rate, leave some comments if you can. The best way for me to get more listeners is through your reviews. I have also started a Patreon in case anyone out there listening is interested in supporting me and this podcast in ways other than with just your ear holes. But yeah, details are at the end of the episode. Just a quick PSA before we finally get started. 
I'd like to make sure everyone who's listening is aware of some of the legal ways to watch Yu-Gi-Oh! online, as there are plenty, at least at the time of this recording. Netflix, Hulu, Yu-Gi-Oh!.com, and the official Yu-Gi-Oh! YouTube channel are all viable options. If you know of any other legal avenues, please feel free to let me know. But for now, let's prepare to enter the Shadow Realm. The third episode of the English dub, entitled Journey to the Duelist Kingdom, gets the first ever recap of the series. And with so much to review, like Yugi beating Kaiba, and Yugi not beating Pegasus, and Joey, and Grandpa, I'm... Honestly, flabbergasted that this review didn't take the entire 22 minutes of the episode. So that's that's nifty. We get our first recap. Uh, but we also don't get the expositional opening, so rip. Instead, we go straight for the opening theme afterwards. But the actual episode starts with an inner monologue from Yugi as he's overlooking his campus and the surrounding city on the roof of the school. So they actually have access to the roof. Is that safe? Like, it's obviously gated, you know, so students can't just, like, freely kill themselves or each other, uh, which is good. But I really can't think of a single scenario where that would be preferable to just having a schoolyard in the back or something. Anyway, after Yugi's post-recap recap, we cut to Joey, who's apparently at home instead of with Yugi at the school, and has received a videotape of his own. Feeling a little left out, are we, Joseph? But he pops it in, and it's from his younger sister, Serenity. We get a little background on them. Their parents divorced when they were both young. Uh, Serenity seems to be maybe two, three years younger than Joey at most. She went with their mother, while Joey apparently stayed with their father. She also talks as if she's dying, saying things like she's running out of time and wanted to see him one last time before, well, you understand. No, we don't understand. Are you dying? Because I feel like that needs to come out. Like, just, just say it. Like, I'm dying. And Joey even, like, plays into it by responding with, it can't be. So they're actually laying it on pretty thick that she's dying. That is the implication. She is dying. But that's all we get about that until the end of the episode, so stick around. We cut back to Yugi, who is arriving home, finally, only to find a white envelope stuck between the door and the jam of the game shop. Of course, the, the game shop. He declares to himself that it's from Pegasus and opens it. It contains five cards. He only pulls one out right now, and it depicts a castle on an island. As he explains that it's the official invitation to Duelist Kingdom, there's a transition to presumably the next day at school, where he's showing the rest of the gang the cards that he has received. Taya actually seems to know what Duelist Kingdom is, saying it's an island, right? Um, how does she know? Another of the cards depicts an old-school-style ship, and, as Yugi says, explains that the ship for the tournament leaves in two days. The other three cards depict other tournament details. 
Uh, one has a glove on it, similar to the one that arrived in the package for Yugi in the previous episode, and is surrounded by five star chips. Another has a bunch of golden treasure on it, and the last one is just a blank white background. As it is discussed, one cannot board the boat without an invitation, so Yugi has to go it alone, and the rest of the gang has to stay put. Tristan picks up the treasure card and explains that the winner of the tournament will receive three million dollars. Yugi obviously doesn't see the point in dwelling on the money, because he, he just wants to save his grandpa. Joey, however, snatches the card from Tristan and begins fawning over the thought of the money to Yugi's chagrin. We then cut to Yugi and Joey sitting on the roof of the school, where we get some more exposition and backstory for them. Joey declares that he cares for Yugi and his grandpa, and that he'll do whatever he can and needs to to help Yugi save him. They also reminisce about the first time they met, which apparently was all because of the Millennium Puzzle. Grandpa, when he gave it to Yugi, told him it was found in some Egyptian ruins and dared Yugi to solve it, because apparently it is nearly impossible. Or was nearly impossible. He's obviously solved it. And Yugi explains that he actually made a wish on the puzzle. He asked it for a true friend, which he now believes the puzzle has given him. So, a little bit of touching moment there between Yugi and Joey. However, when they first met, Joey and Tristan were actually really bullies to Yugi. They even stole the Millennium Puzzle and threw a piece of it out the window and into the school pool. Joey claims that they did it just to toughen Yugi up and prepare him for the real bullies, which leads to another flashback of a time where Yugi actually saved Joey and Tristan before they were friends from the real bully. Yugi standing up and taking that beating for Joey and Tristan earned him the respect and forged their friendship. This is important to remember because in particularly next season, spoiler alert, uh, the puzzle actually serves as a symbol of their friendship because Yugi believes that Joey was sent to him as a friend by the puzzle. And in closing this little scene, Joey reiterates that he will be on that island to help Yugi in any way that he can. We are now two days later because the ship is being boarded for Duelist Kingdom. The announcer, whom we'll come to know later as Kimo, explains that the starships are actually what grants entry onto the ship, not an official invitation. So, spoiler alert, this is a loophole. As the ship is being boarded by duelists in a single file line, we see Yugi's a little bit farther back, but we can hear Joey ahead of him causing a ruckus, because apparently he was caught trying to sneak his way onto the lower hatches of the ship, and is currently being carted away by some of Pegasus's goons. Yugi cuts out of line to help deal with that predicament, and we're shown that Taya and Tristan manage to sneak onto the boat because of this thing going on. In order to allow Joey to get onto the ship, Yugi gives him one of his two starships. Side note, I feel like this is why they were given two. I don't think it has anything to do with the tournament itself, because one would be fine. They were given two so that Yugi could give one to Joey. And that's stupid writing. The goons explain to Yugi that both of them will be at a disadvantage because everyone else has more starships from the start, blah, 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 blah. Again, this is setting up a 
stupid version of the protagonist must accomplish a difficult or impossible task to be a special thing. But obviously Yugi doesn't care, and he says that he believes nothing is more important than being with his friend. Aww. We then cut to the ship pulling away from the dock. While Joey and Yugi are on the upper deck looking outward, uh, in a dark corner a few feet away, Taya and Tristan are hiding away so as to remain undetected. Joey and Yugi briefly discuss the favor that Yugi did him by giving him a starship, which a strange blonde woman overhears. She approaches them and already knows who Yugi is. And the boys are obviously supposed to be, like, wildly attracted to her, because Yugi can barely speak, and Joey begins trying to woo her with his... Duel Monsters prowess? Hmm... Better luck next time, Joe. Also, after some banter, she begins to leave and makes a comment to Yugi that he should ditch Joey because he's obviously bad and deserves to be crushed in the games, to which Joey responds with, Please crush me. Pause. Okay, four kids. You edit out a bunch of nonsense and actually plot relevant material and even some deeper characterizations. But you let a blatant reference to a lewd sexual act through the cracks. I know I'm about nearly 20 years too late, but please pick a side. Mai comes back with, I'll crush you all eventually. Another pause real quick. This one's better. So now I have to mention that she has to be aware of how attractive she is in-universe. And in all honesty... She's probably completely fine with using it to her advantage, um, but not in like a slutty way. She doesn't play it up. She just allows men to come forward thinking she's attractive and use that. To me, that's, that's a good way to write an attractive female character. Her attractiveness is a utility, but not all she has to offer, as we will see. Also, her name is Mai Valentine, though we only know Mai right now. As Mai continues along the deck, Joey and Yuki head inside to scope out the rest of the ship, and we are shown that Taya and Tristan overheard the entire conversation, and Taya is outraged that anyone could believe that they are better than Yugi at a children's card game. We then cut to Joey making another scene, this time over the poor rooming accommodations on board, and then this is when Weevil and Rex walk in. Weevil immediately recognizes Yugi, which I continue to find very weird every time. How do so many people know what he looks like? He wasn't a famous duelist before he beat Kaiba. How does everybody know what he looks like? The better private rooms apparently only go to finalists of the last tournament, like Rex and Weevil, according to Rex anyway, who says that. Rex then slinks off, presumably to his private room. And Weevil claims that he is sure that he will duel Yugi in the tournament. He then offers Yugi a secret to give him an advantage over the competition, which Yugi believes is cheating. But Weevil says everyone will figure it out eventually. Just because you gain access early and everybody else will eventually figure it out doesn't mean it's not cheating, by the way. There are apparently new rules on the island that will require more strategy to effectively use against your opponents. That is his secret. 
This is another hint, though, to Weevil's cunning and sort of underhanded tactics. He obviously has no qualms with finding out a secret like this and illuminating his competitors to the secret without actually giving up the entire secret. We continue to see what kind of brain Weevil has as he scopes out the other duelists in this giant room that they are now in on the deck. Most of them are gathered around each other, trading cards, running scrimmages, things like that. Although he says this is a good way to strengthen your deck and get a feel for your opponent's cards, nearly in the same breath, he also says, and I quote, If you've come all this way and you're still trying to improve your deck, you've got to be pretty desperate. With the added bonus that he says the last part of this as we see Joey attempting to trade with other players. So even though he agrees it could be a good strategic move, it's almost like he thinks he's too good for it. He doesn't need it. But other people obviously do. And other people are desperate. As Weevil bids Yugi adieu, uh, we cut back to Rex, who actually was heading to his private room. He notices Mai causing a scene over the rooming situation and referencing Jem's truly outrageous. As he passes her and the goon she's yelling at, he mentions that he, he has a private room, which prompts her to flirt with him and get him to invite her to see it. See, totally uses her attractiveness to get what she wants, but not in a sleep-to-the-top kind of way, which is the difference. We then cut to Taya and Tristan, who are having a hard time staying still in the cold nighttime ocean air, as you will struggle to do. While Taya complains about their predicament, Tristan turns to the horizon, points, and says, in another few hours, the sun will rise. What? Is that supposed to be a joke? Someone then walks outside, so they duck back into hiding. Uh, it turns out to be Bakura, a fellow classmate of theirs. Ooh, spooky. But no time to contemplate that. We cut back to Mai and Rex. She sort of challenges him to a duel and says that if he wins, she will give him a kiss, which obviously prompts him to preemptively accept the challenge. Another quick cut, this time to Joey and Yugi, who are now outside again on the deck looking over the ocean. Joey is showing Yugi all the cards he got from his trades inside. Shield and Sword, Salamandra, Kunai with Chain, and Baby Dragon. All of which we will see later on in the show. To round out his deck, Yugi actually hands him another card. Time Wizard, even though they don't say the name of it right then. Which we will also see later. And then Weevil walks up to them. At this point, we cut back to Mai and Rex, who are starting their game. Rex cuts Mai's deck and asks her what she wants if she wins. And she tells him that he will have to clear out and give her the room for the rest of the trip. He agrees because he can't lose, and she starts naming the top cards of the deck while they are face down. And as Rex is checking, all four of her predictions are right. And Rex believes that he may have made a mistake. So just because it comes back later, they are setting up this psychic shtick that Mai uses in her duels later. We cut back to Yugi, Joey, and Weevil. 
Weevil starts making some small talk. Uh, doesn't last long though. He seems not to be able to help himself as he very soon references the Exodia cards that Yugi used to defeat Kaiba. He asks Yugi if he can see them, and poor gullible Yugi doesn't see the issue. Not with just letting him see them, but with letting him hold them. Here's the problem, Yugi. Weevil, staring at all of these powerful cards, starts talking to himself, or Yugi, one of the two. He's been trying to come up with a way to defeat the cards, but has been unsuccessful in his endeavors until right now. He calmly walks over to the side of the deck and throws the cards overboard into the ocean, yelling say goodbye to Exodia. As he cackles his way back inside, Joey almost immediately jumps from the deck into the ocean to retrieve the cards. Although the current is very strong and threatens to take him under, he cites to himself that his source of strength is his sister Serenity. Who? But seriously, from here on out, almost any time she is referenced for the rest of this season, she is Joey's sister Serenity. She is never her own person. So, for at least this season, that's how I'm going to refer to her. As the current actually does start to sweep Joey in and take him under, Yugi jumps into the water to save Joey. Uh, Yugi grabs him, pulls him up for air, and then there's this really awkward stretch of about five seconds where Yugi is literally just staring at Joey's unconscious face. And it's, it's just it's so weird. Bromance at its finest, though. Love and friendship. More important than living. But... This intense bromantic stare is interrupted by Taya and Tristan, who throw a life preserver down to retrieve the bromantics. We then cut back inside really quick and see Mai literally throwing Rex out of his room and telling him to get lost, loser, and then right before she shuts, slams, slams the door in his face, she says, and thanks for the room, Rex. Next to last cut of the episode, promise. Uh, back to the gang, Yugi and Joey have now made it back on board the ship, and Joey begins to apologize to Yugi since he was only able to retrieve two of the five Exodia cards. Yugi obviously tells Joey that it's okay, um, which prompts a full-blown pity party from Joey. Uh, he has apparently never been able to help anybody, not even his own sister, Serenity. See what I mean? That is how she is referenced. My sister, Serenity. Joey's sister, Serenity. And no one in the gang knew he even had a sister. Not even Tristan, who was his closest friend before Yugi came along. So, how important is she really to him? He reveals that she is, in fact, not dying. I repeat, she is not dying. She's had poor vision since birth, and soon she'll go completely blind. Why then? Was she talking like she was dying? Why then did you play along with her talking like she was dying? Why were we as the audience led to believe for the better part of 20 minutes that your sister is dying? Moving on. Even with surgery, it'll be nearly impossible to repair her eyesight once it is lost. But there are specialists who can perform the surgery now and circumvent the worst of her condition. And the surgery costs, any guesses, $3 million. Coincidence? I think not. So, 
he has to win the tournament for his sister Serenity. Naturally, the rest of the gang is now sad, but empowered, that Joey also has a reason to fight in this tournament that isn't selfish, because that is what they all thought previous to this, that he just wanted the money for himself. We now finally have our last cut of the episode to what seems like the next morning, uh, with the gang standing at the very front of the ship on deck, looking out toward the horizon as the ship approaches Duelist Kingdom. So, this episode, we were introduced to Mai, and we also got a better introduction to Rex and Weevil. We also got to see the personalities of these characters a bit more in depth. Mai seems to be a very confident duelist who isn't afraid to use her sexuality to her advantage, or more accurately, to the disadvantage of her opponents. She might also be psychic. Stay tuned to find out. Weevil is a cheater and an all-around awful human being. And Rex is a man's man. Brute force, strong-arm tactics, and thinking with what's between his legs instead of in his head. Uh, Next week, I'll actually cover two episodes of the anime, as it is a two-part dueling episode. So, I'll be discussing Season 1, Episodes 4 and 5, titled Into the Hornet's Nest and The Ultimate Great Moth. So I'd actually like to start posing questions at the end of each episode. That way we can engage a bit more as a community. This episode's query, what would you have done to Weevil if he had thrown your best cards overboard just before a huge tournament? Would you have jumped into the ocean to save your friend's cards? Or would you have even let Weevil hold them in the first place? Remember, we are now live on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or iTunes, and Google Play Music. So please pick your favorite platform and go like or subscribe, write the show, leave comments, and let's expand this wonderful community. Let me know what you think, um, answer the questions I put forth a little earlier, or if you have any other comments, questions, or concerns, please feel free to email me at itstimetopodcast at gmail.com, and follow me on Facebook at facebook.com slash itstimetopodcast, and on Twitter at itstimetopodcast. If you can, please consider backing me on Patreon at patreon.com slash itstimetopodcast. It will help me continue to bring awesome content to you guys, expand in the future, and give even more back to this wonderful community that we are building. But till next time, your move.